0: I work with a lot, of, a lot of agencies, and they're doing a lot of work on behalf of the PSP, managing the, the data element, so the personalization, uh, the cleaning of the data, and outsourcing that to companies like Data Broker, and um, when we could directly do that with, with the PSP happily.
1: Welcome, and thanks for joining us today for the latest in our in-conversation series of podcasts created as part of Canon's Ascent programme. These podcasts are centred around the Make It mantra and the themes in Canon's Insight Report, Creating Customer Value. I'm Jackie Hobson, and today I'm going to be talking to Chris Dawson, who looks after business development at Data Broker.
0: Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for inviting me along. It's great to be here.
1: We're delighted to have you with us. So, before we chat about the insight report, could you give us a quick overview of Data Broker and what it is that you do there?
0: Yeah, sure, Jackie. So, uh, Data Broker, we've been around for about was it thirteen years, uh, based in Altrincham, Cheshire, and uh, as our name suggests, we are a, a broker of data, specifically um, business to business data. Um, a, a lot of what we provide in terms of uh, files. For our clients, uh, a lot of um, data for direct mail, so heavy on specific contacts, so fo- focusing on the sort of personalization element, um, which is very much a, a big sort of hot topic amongst the uh, PSPs and within the, the the report we're discussing today. Um, also, telemarketing data, which um, I do a lot of work with with agencies a lot of outsourcing. So telemarketing agencies, uh digital and creative agencies. So where they're sort of quite reticent about um handling data and all the, the compliance challenges that come with it. Um they would outsource that to us um and we would act as a, a trusted advisor and as a as a partner to them, um, dealing with every element of that. Um and also uh, data used for email marketing campaigns. Right. Um, so my role is very much around uh, business development and the account management piece as well. As a broker, we, we, we're we very brief orientated. So as opposed to working on you know what offers we have available on our own list and being tied to our own uh, list and being only able to provide our own list, we can tap into hundreds literally hundreds of uh, lists and data owners and directories globally so we can really look at aligning with the client brief sometimes it can be quite specific um, and we can certainly identify um, a lot of unusual and quite specific needs for our clients on the basis that we have access to so many different sources Uh, but very much it's it's about Delivering results. Okay, interesting
1: stuff. You just mentioned there about working for telemarketing and creative agencies, etc. But I noticed no mention of PSPs. I'm keen to talk about that actually. But um, let's come back to it. First, on to the insight report. Um,
0: I hope you enjoyed reading it. Yeah, it was an excellent read. Um, I have to say, Jackie, it was. Yeah, um, loads of bits in there that you know that struck a chord. That certainly. Yeah, some really familiar scenarios based on what we've also experienced in the last twelve, eighteen months as a, a section in there, um, inevitably having to look at the, the COVID effects as, as it's entitled in the report. We've certainly seen um some real differences with regards to, to, to buying behaviour. Um uh, and and what I mean by that, obviously people working more remotely or completely remotely. Um, for a good period of time means that the way that they um, engage is it, it, distinctly different. We get a lot of uh, inquiries coming through the data broker website. Um, one thing that we were always really uncomfortable at doing is, is opening up a, a sort of live chat function um, because of, just because of the way that we work. We're very, we work very, very closely with our clients. It kind of goes against that a little bit, but the need has been there to to do that to allow um clients working remotely to to transact with us online a lot more um we've also found again as it touches on in the report because of um limited resources um and uh, and tighter deadlines that you know turnaround times uh, to deliver the data for for campaigns has been a lot tighter you know the demand is higher um, there's been yeah, you know, some, some interesting days, some heated conversations no, and no, uh, no. ultimately we've got through it and we can reflect on it. But no, it's a great report, uh, some great statistics and some really insightful numbers in there uh, around buying habits and, uh, you know, what's going on in the industry. Cool. That's good news.
1: So, one of the mantras within the report, be digital, which is a call for PSPs to talk the language of data and help customers target and personalise their print marketing. But we can't really talk about marketing campaigns without talking about all of the channels, obviously. So. Oh, no, indeed. What's your experience of how marketers are using data, say, for
0: email marketing? Um, so, we've seen clients adopting various different techniques from relatively low-volume really kind of niche specific email database purchases all the way through to buying hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of decision maker uh, email addresses um, and adopting spray and pray mass marketing approach. I mean, again, looking at metrics from sales over the last 12 months at Data Broker, um, over 80% of the data our client's purchase would include an email address, but don't let that fool you. Um, all the records, all of these records uh, include the the business address um, and a large proportion of them will also include um, a decision maker telephone number that's been suppressed against the telephone preference service. Um, because the data is licensed to the customer for uh, for a 12-month period. Um, and whilst still, you know, multiple email campaigns are being deployed, there is very much a multi-channel approach being used to maximize opportunities generated. Um, you know, the, the traditional methods, the typical methods are very much still there in terms of uh, cold calling slash telemarketing. And obviously, direct mail, um, it used to be the case going back wow, over twenty years when I first started in the data industry that um, data was purchased, telephone number or address with an email record, um, multiple or single use we everything's been simplified and uh, simplified and streamlined now to to give the option without compromising cost. Um, For a complete line of data, a complete line of data being the full company details and an email address, therefore giving the client the ability to adopt these multiple touches, whether that be digital, whether that be um, through traditional methods of direct mail and telemarketing.
1: Essentially, then, if a client's buying data records, a data set, he's getting the direct mail data he needs by default now rather than just only having the ability to call or email. So definitely no excuse not to print then, Chris.
0: Oh, no, 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 no.
1: Let's get onto the data and specifically personalisation. I'm really keen, and I guess our listeners are, um, I'm keen to learn how print businesses can help their customers in this regard. Are you already working with PSPs who are doing this really well? And if so, how?
0: Well, in a word, Jackie, Um, no, (laughs) we're not. And that's a real shame. A shame in the sense that, as I say, I work with a lot of a lot of agencies, and the conversations I have with 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 those it tells me that they're doing a lot of work on behalf of the PSPs potentially in the sense that they're doing the uh, managing the the data element, so the personalisation, uh, the cleaning of the data, and outsourcing that to companies like Data Broker. Um, when we could directly do that with with the PSP happily. Um, and I think that, you know, that compromises, um, you know, some real great revenue opportunities for PSPs that by having the confidence to work with us um, and us dealing with all the challenges and potential pitfalls around compliance, um, around GDPR, things like that, we deal with all that on behalf of the agency as it is now, or as it could be with the PSP directly moving forward, we'd be delighted to have conversations um with the PSPs out there to show show them the process, show them how we deal with that, give them some confidence around, you know, the the experience that we've got in this area um, and open those, you know, those revenue streams to them and those opportunities for them. Mm. Well
1: it's good to hear that there's plenty of personalisation going on out there Um, but we definitely don't like to hear about printers missing out on those revenue opportunities and and it's encouraging that there are organisations like yours willing and able to help but I must say I am disappointed that less PSPs than I thought or at least I'd hoped are making use of them. I mean, there's clearly some great collaboration uh, opportunities, a chance for both parties to make money, and we know that personalised print works, and obviously there's two elements to that, the data and the print, so it makes perfect sense to form a partnership, doesn't it, Chris? Yeah. Though that sounds like it's not often the case. I mean, what do you think the barriers might be for a PSP to get into managing data, or even talking to their clients about it in the first instance?
0: Yeah, Wow. Well, Where do you start with that? Um so managing huge data files, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of lines of data and the associated data points, the infrastructure that's needed, the software, the process, and the and the knowledge of of data to, to manage files of that size, or even smaller files for that matter, you know, where do you start? Um And that's even before you start to think about the potential challenges you may see when speaking about compliance and GDPR. So we look at it from a a PSP's point of view, um, and any business for that matter, the cost, the time, the effort that's taken to win new business, and then you have to take that new client through the onboarding process, moving through to the the account management, building trust, and building the relationship with that client. Why would the PSP jeopardize that new relationship, that ongoing relationship, by introducing a product or a service that um, you know is frankly alien to them? Uh, and that's where we would come in. We would work with the PSP um, either prominently or covertly behind the scenes to deal with 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 the data element and creating an end to end full service solution if you will so that would be the data piece the data management the personalization the prints all the way through to fulfillment just to add a little bit of detail to that specifically around GDPR um i was on a teams call yesterday um with a client, an end-user client, not an agency or a PSP. Um, I've been working with them for a number of months, and uh, on the team's call, they introduced me to their compliance officer, you know, (laughs) who was, as you would expect, very knowledgeable about the laws around data. Um, And it's quite commonplace to have that internal resource within an end-user organisation So, you know, what happens when you're confronted and presented with that situation? And that's very much where a lot of our partnership relationships, um, they would introduce us at that stage to have that conversation um, and answer any difficult questions about compliance, about GDPR, etc. When the PSP is having a conversation with the end user client about data, It's very common now that um, the compliance representative of the the end user will be included in those conversations. They're there to protect the company, their brand, their reputation, to ensure that the data that they're using um, for direct mail is compliant. It has to be. The risks and the penalties involved, if they are not compliant, are enormous a percentage of of turnover businesses quite simply cannot afford to to take that risk
1: Mm, i'm convinced you've hit the nail firmly on the head there There that many psps certainly the smaller ones would just perceive the data as just too much of a risk but actually they could back that risk off to someone like you to a, a data house and uh everyone you know I mean, the end users here, not everyone's going to be big enough to have a compliance officer of their own. So having a data expert on call on hand is actually a you know another value add.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: So if we've got PSPs listening that are keen to get more involved with data and help their customers to personalise, even hyper-personalise, you know, lots of detailed data, help them personalise their print materials,
0: what would you say to them? How should they get started and approach it with their customers? I think it comes back to the... Age-old adage, you know, around test and learn. Um, if there is a concern, Jackie, in terms of outsourcing the data element, which inevitably there will be, uh, commercially, uh, logistically, whatever it might be, let's look at testing the water. It's a, you know, it's something that we're really open to here at Data Broker. Uh, you know, business is centered around risk, but perhaps understand the process better. Um, to, kind of mitigates that risk a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe apply it to their own data. Um, maybe it's some sort of test campaign um, for generating leads, their own leads internally. Um, this way, they can better understand what is involved and in turn, better explain this to their clients. You know, great to do it anecdotally based on experience, we did it this way, and we achieve these results, this level of return. As I say, you know, it's a good way of dispelling any sort of concerns, mitigating any risk, any perceived risk. So we can be um, essentially white labeled, or we can be prominent in equal measure when it comes to the PSP introducing the, the data piece, the data management piece. Um, you know, we have non-disclosure agreements that we can bring into play that can be signed to address any worries about confidentiality. You know, when we're working with existing customer data, sometimes, you know, significantly sized files, there's always a concern about, you know, what happens with that data. Um, And we're always more than happy to put some sort of confidentiality, some sort of NDA in place to, to ease that concern.
1: Okay, and actually testing the water themselves. Using data and personalisation in in a PSP's own campaign, I mean, it's a great proof of concept, but it's also a a great case study, isn't it, to show clients?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So moving on slightly, I I wanted to get your take on on something, Chris. Uh, I wondered if on the whole... Perhaps we've got a pretty outdated notion of what data is and what's available. I was talking recently to someone from a B2C marketing agency. They're really hot on personalisation. And they were talking about 300 data points for every record. I mean, I was was astonished. I guess in the B2B world, that's not quite
0: the same.
1: But how sophisticated or clever can we get with it? What level of detail can we get
0: into? Believe it or not, Jackie, B2B is not too dissimilar. Uh, this might surprise a lot of people when you look at um, the demographics of a consumer versus you know the information that sits behind a business, um, especially when you're looking at things like financials, so assets, liabilities, etc. A lot of you know a lot of our clients will make selections based on some pretty in-depth criteria around what a business looks like. Um, Then also, especially as a broker, we're looking at occasionally some pretty niche lists which can be specific to the IT sector. So how many servers does a a company have, the fleet sector? So, you know, we might have a client who's targeting a business based on the number of vans and trucks that they may have. So when you take that into account, the, the sort of, breadth and the the number of fields and data points that you refer to uh that a record has is you know it can be really really pretty extensive i think it's a little bit of a a misconception of the the, the b2b space that um you know it's just size and sector what what does the business do and how many employees do they have and perhaps what is their turnover when it comes to targeting businesses for um or campaign activity, and then when we move on to um, looking at the target audience, the persona, so the decision maker uh, again, there's you know, there are so many different options. We do tend to simplify that process by looking at more sort of job functions, so who is responsible for certain decision making. Um, within a business so is it a most senior decision maker an it decision maker but again beneath that sits a, an absolute raft of different job titles so it, even more data points to consider even to consider even more selection so yeah it it really isn't that different and i think yeah outdated is a it, it is a good way of describing it um you know we are very sort of brief orientated let's look at exactly what the client is looking to achieve if we can't get an exact match but obviously we can make some recommendations as to getting as close as possible in terms of the business profile and the decision maker profile also
1: yeah something we hear as b2b marketers more and more is that businesses are just a collection of consumers and that we should keep that in mind you know when we touch contacts within a business we need to recognize them as real people not simply a function
0: Oh, no, indeed.
1: Chris, it's been great to hear your take on this subject and to delve a little more into what PSPs could potentially offer their customers around data and, and how. But before you go, um, I wanted to ask, do you have a mantra of your own? We've been speaking about mantras, something that steers you or something that you live by.
0: Thanks for inviting me along, Jackie, and thanks for uh, allowing me to take you down the rabbit hole that is data. Um, hopefully, uh, found it, uh, listeners find it educational um, a mantra? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I guess my mantra has always been the same. I think it's more so um, with in the data industry because it can be seen as being pretty boring, really. <laughs> lines and lines of information about companies and addresses and so on. I try to make it as, um, as enjoyable as possible. I try to add a little bit of personality to it um I just love working with people and and talking to them about their their challenges and sort of aligning what we do to that bringing value et cetera et cetera A lot of cliches in there, isn't there? uh but no, it's definitely relevant um I think in summary, you know it's always be positive, always deliver, and where possible, do so uh, on time and within budget. That would be my mantra. Thanks,
1: Chris. Nice one. Very upbeat. It's been really interesting chatting to you. Thanks so much for being here and sharing your insights. If people want to know more about Data Broker, uh, I guess the best place to start is www.data-broker.co.uk. Is that right?
0: Yeah, definitely, Jackie. The website's a a great place to start. Uh, Loads of really good information on there. Um, There is a, a tool where you can actually build your own accounts online, um, and do that sort of covertly. You don't need. There's no necessary interaction with a with a human if you prefer not to. Um, or we do have a web chat service through the website. And mm-hmm. um, alternatively, yeah, just pick up the phone and give us a call. And uh, we're happy to to discuss your challenges around data and uh, sort of general marketing concerns and and help where we can. That's really the key, you know. We you know we're we're here to to support you at wherever possible so
1: thanks again chris and thank you too to our listeners we do hope you found value in what you've heard and that you'll check out the other podcasts in the series if you'd like to read a copy of the insight report it's available for download via the link on the podcast homepage where you access this recording or you could ask your canon account manager for a printed copy plus the canon ascent program has a wealth of other content articles, tools and top tips specifically designed for printers to help support their future business development. If you're interested in finding out more, click the link on the podcast page, search Canon Ascent Programme or speak to your Canon Account Manager. See you next time.